time for the one and only Brett Beard from 939 The Score in Alabama. You can listen to the Harold Buck Show, Boomo Buck Show with Brett Beard coming up every weekday from 1 until 3 Eastern, 12 until 2 Central on 939thescore.com. Good afternoon. How are you? You know, I'm, I'm giddy about the Braves starting spring practice, and I've just been sitting here mulling over for the last hour since we ended our award-winning show in thinking about the, the answer to the proverbial question that's come up this week. Does college football need a two-minute warning? <laughs> Is that is that the silliest damn thing you've heard of of all the issues that we have? And everybody who listens to this interview on a weekly basis knows the passion you and I have for this sport. Is that the silly with all the other issues we have? Is that the silliest thing to come down the road in a while? Yeah, yeah. I I think there's more things to figure out. I don't I don't think that's why the Boston College coach left no. for the. Packers, no. do you? No. Well, I would have stayed if they'd had a two-minute warning in college football. But <laughs> exactly. I, well, we were just talking a few moments ago about. I don't know if you've heard about Sean Elliott. Uh, the, yes, I did. In fact, we talked about him on the show today. The the Georgia State coach yes. leaving uh, two days after spring practice began in Atlanta to become a position coach for Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Now. I don't know what's going on in Coach Elliott's life. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, and some people have, have uh, messaged me that he was making $800,000 at Georgia State. So that's pretty good. Right. I'm, I'm going to assume he's going to make more than that in South Carolina. Don't know for sure, yeah. but I, yeah. I will assume that he is. But, you know, you, you couple that with the coach from Boston College going to the Packers with – Chip Kelly going from UCLA as the head coach, the head coach at UCLA, going, which I'm sure he was paid handsomely, yes. to be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. What what is this saying about about college football? Is this kind of an indictment on some of the things that are going on, Brett? Bill, I, I think this is really a um, a turning point for for college football. Um, and I know the situation at UCLA, he reportedly was nearly fired. He had not uh, – his system, and I thought it was going to take off at UCLA after a couple of years. They, they started improving, started doing better, but I know they had a dysfunctional athletic department. And I know their, their NIL was nowhere near what they wanted. And, and you're right, you've got to take every one of these individually by, by cases, but I think we're going to continue to see this because until somebody does something about NIL and the transfer portal, but more than that, and it's the same thing that we've heard from two or three of our guests this week, uh, these guys don't have a life. Uh, I mean, 10 years ago it was thought of you didn't have a life if you were a coach in the NFL, uh, but now it's gotten to a point with college to where you're re-recruiting players, you're, you've got the NIL, some of these guys are literally out here fundraising, to, to or, or they're not supposed to, but you know they are with their, their collectives. They don't get off on holidays, they rarely see their family, and 
uh, again, I'm like you. I don't know what the situation is at Georgia State, but we talked about that with Bill Bender of the Sporting News and a couple of our other guests. And two or three years ago, you'd say, well, uh, you know, Sean Elliott's crazy. Well, again, if he wants to, he may be having some issues with his family and just wanted to help. And again, but being an SEC coach is not an easy job. Uh, but you're right. I think we're going to begin to see more and more examples uh, examples of this every week. Yeah, you really wonder about this. Uh, the stress on these coaches. I don't know how they yes. do it. I really, I know it. I, know I really it. don't. It's it's uh, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting time, of course, with all the things that are going on. And and um, so, yeah, I don't think we should be shocked by anything. I mean, it was shocking to see a coach leave after right. spring practice had started. But you know, he's obviously got his reasons. You have to sure. You have to respect that, and and maybe it's financial, maybe it's not, maybe maybe we have no idea. But I think it's just we're seeing a pattern here with a couple of people who are saying I don't want to be a head coach for whatever reason, and it's uh, worth the discussion for sure. Kalen DeBoer, the head coach at Alabama, promoted Freddie Roach and Robert Gillespie to larger roles. Probably a good idea, and probably he's realized even in a short time that those two. Number one, are great recruiters, and number two, probably about the best two he could have kept off Nick Saban's staff. Do you agree? Well, I would agree with that. And, again, you and I have discussed this the last couple of weeks. This, to me, on paper, and, again, we're not going to know until, uh, obviously, we'll know more in the spring, see who leaves and doesn't leave. And what we've talked about, that's the other big headache with these coaches is roster management. It's just nearly an impossible Test right now, you know, everybody understands where well, you're going to keep one or two coaches for transition because they know, uh, you know, the shortcuts, who, you know, which players are productive uh, and who are not. But when you look at this stuff on paper, even though Huff, uh, again, um, the, the two coaches left and went to Seattle, Huff, Grubb, obviously, is very good. Saban tried to get him. I know he's been a hot commodity in the NFL for the last couple of years, but this is still Kalen DeBoer's offense. And Nick Sheridan, who's had an offensive coordinator experience in Indiana and a couple of other places, Jamarcus Shepard, now he still needs to hire a uh, offensive line coach and also a tight ends coach. Uh, with this, but uh, in particularly, I think on the defensive side of the ball, it's an upgrade. Kane, Kane Womack, again, you've got two group of five coaches who are now coming in as assistants. Maurice Lindquist from Buffalo, Kane Womack from South Alabama, William Inge is a very good linebacker, edge coach, and Colin Hitzler was with um, Cincinnati with Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. They're two corners. It really held Alabama's passing attack down in the in the playoff game, but I still say on paper this is the best coaching staff Saban had well since twenty twenty. Brett, um, a lot of people are going to start talking about some of the changes that we could see in college football. I don't know if the things we were referring to earlier will be addressed, like some of the scheduling that can, in fact, be maybe adjusted to give coaches a little bit better situation. But I think one thing that SEC fans are going to be really interested to see is will they finally go to nine games? Do you think 
that they will start to discuss this and when they get to I guess Destin again uh, in in the spring after spring football this will be at the top of their agenda is is Sankey going to push for this now well Del Conte kind of let the cat out of the bag in fact we've talked about this Ross Dillinger had had an article about this earlier this week he was talking with Texas athletic director Chris Del Conte about multiple topics one of course you know are you going to be playing texas a&m on an annual basis and i don't know if he if he let it slip out or what but what what the conte said was the sec is targeting 2026 as far as going to a nine-game conference schedule now you and i've talked about this uh to, to to do that to keep the the rivalries which you and i enjoy so much uh, it looks like a 6-3 format, and one of the reasons why it's going to take another year or two uh, that we've heard this week is a lot of these programs are, are going to have to buy out some of these Power 5 teams on their schedule because a lot of them were littered throughout for the next two or three years now. But to answer your question, what we've heard in the last 24 hours is and, and you're right, Sankey's been pushing this, uh, but in its price and people, they didn't do it this year. Well, I mean, for uh, 2024. But from what we're hearing, it will take place in 2026. They've got to buy some of these teams out and then decide. And I think it's going to be, it ain't going to be 7-1 or 7-2. It's probably going to be 6-3 with the three permanent rivals. But from what we hear, Del Conte let the cat out of the bag, and he said it's going to be 2026. Are you good with that? Are you good with them waiting until then, or do you think Sankey needs that time to be able to make it happen, to make it uh, permanent? Well, I think you nailed it. I think the latter is correct. I think he needs another two years because, quite frankly, he and Panetti with the, the Big Ten commissioner, you know, the other question about this is, and we've talked about this, my Lord, we, we, we've been hearing this for decades, Will the two top power conferences or the top 64 teams just up and leave and form their own league and rules and everything else? I really do think that he needs two years. And, and, and I know it's we always wreak a wave of magic wand and, and take care of this or put some guardrails on NIL and the transfer portal. But uh, And listen, we love the sport, warts and all, but it, it's a mess right now. And, yeah, it's probably going to take um, Sankey another two years to grease the spot and get and get everybody on the same page. Brett Beard, our guest, talking college football. Do you think that the little joint Big Ten SEC deal that they're doing, whatever it's called, union or uh, right. partnership or whatever the heck they're calling it, is it going to come out on the other side with with even more power than you would assume two conferences with 34 teams have now? Well, I don't think – number one, I think this is a shot across the bow to the NCAA mm-hmm. in, in saying either get your act together or we're going to pull out and do our own thing. Uh, you know, we'll see where, where this goes, but – uh, it, it, it's time, and, you know, again, with, with Saban retired, we've heard, of course, a lot. When are they going to pull out and name Saban the commissioner of, of whatever this is? Huh. 
or or uh, the czar, whatever name you want to come up with. We'll, we'll see where that goes. But uh, I don't think there's any question that they're serious. Thirty-four teams, and then you add, you know, will would the Big Twelve jump in on this? You know, you don't have a they Pac-12. Better. What's the ACC going to do? Yeah. Or or are the four power conferences going to say, look, let's just all get let's all get together, form seventy-two, you know, whatever. Uh, because, we, well, again, we're not through with realignment. I, I still think the ACC in these lawsuits uh, or threatened lawsuits with Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina is, is making some noise behind the scenes with this, too, and where this is going to be. Uh, we think we've seen some changes in the last two years. Can you imagine where this sport's going to be? By the time, even when we get to 2027, much less 2030. So will the FSU lawsuit dictate some of that? Uh, I'm going to be curious to see where that goes. A lot of that is just bluster. And uh, listen, several people have told us, uh, I love my conference, but they played the victim pretty well. And they've been beating their chance about this for a while. You know, we'll see where this goes. I do think that it's going to spur some action. And again, my dad being a former circuit judge, uh, believe me, the legal matters move at a glacier speed the way the NCAA has done, even though they've done more in the last three years than they nearly did in the last 30. Uh, but I don't think there's any question that FSU's bluster has spurred some movement with this. Did your dad know where the bodies were buried? <laughs> I mean, a circuit cut court judge. I mean, he, he had more power. And and probably the better question: Did he know where Bear Bryant buried the bodies? Well, well, you know, circuit judges. You're exactly right. Judges overall have a lot of power, and in particularly in Walker County, with bootleggers and some other some other notables in that county. You better know where some of the dead bodies are oh, buried. Man, you know, I mean, he he probably knows every. <laughs> Everything. I mean, my gosh, he was—he oh, took a lot of information there with him. All hey, right, uh, from the secret text line, when do you think they will drop conference championship games? Is that something that would would create in a, if a new alliance was formed? Would they simply drop the conference championship games and, and expand even from what they've got planned now? Do you think? Uh, listen, every time somebody brings that topic up to Greg Sankey, he bristles like a cat just ran into a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, his tail goes up in the fur, and he starts growling. He mm-hmm. will be, uh, you know, I can see some of the conferences doing away with the championship game, but but, but I, I've said this for years, and we've had too many people, Tony Barnhart, is one, and I know you know Tony well. Yep. Uh, Tony has said there is no way in hell that the SEC is going to drop a championship game because no, it makes too much money. Yeah. It's too much prestige. Uh, now, will this eventually erode some of the championship games and the conferences? Yes. I don't think there's any question about that. And, and again, uh, we're doing 12 – next year, and I've already heard conversations with that Sankey and Panetti and some of the other commissioners have had to try to already increase this to 14 to 16 as soon as 
possible if they can get some of these other issues um, uh, worked out with this. Uh, but there is no way in hell that Greg Sankey's going to drop an SEC conference championship game. You know, in a, and I agree with you. You know, in a way, I in, in listening to our conversation here, the Big 12 is almost at a crossroads here. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I mean, they yes. they can either – Hop on board. I mean, if I'm if I'm the Big Twelve, I'm begging the Big Ten and the SEC to let me in their group. That's exactly what I was was going to say. Yep. Because if not, I mean, the Pac-12 is dead. Yes. The ACC is on life support. So it's like right. you got the the Power Five. You got that one sticking out in the middle there, with the Big Twelve that is not aligned with the SEC and the Big Ten but obviously has the type of schools in its history and in its conference that should be aligned with the Big Ten and the SEC. Uh, I don't know if they'll be as successful as those two conferences, right. but still, um, because if, if the Big Ten and the SEC were to say, you know, look, let's, let's do our own thing, yep. the Big 12 is going to fall down, and that's not going to be good, I don't think, for them. Do you? I don't think there's any question, and you're right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if their commissioners already had some behind-the-door behind the conversations with Panetti and Greg Sankey about this. Yeah, right now the ACC can't get out of its own way. You, you know, we'll see where this goes, who moves, who's who's added, and that's going to probably spur some of this. But, no, I'm like you. If I'm the Big 12 I'm I'm closing up to the Big Ten and the SEC as much as I can. I know Florida State is not an important part of of a footprint map for the conference, but from a brand perspective, FSU is still as strong as it was the day that they entered the conference. So with them practically saying, we don't want to be here, we want to leave, and I don't know where they want to go. I don't know if they want to go to the SEC or the Big Ten. I don't know. I don't know, because while the market is a question mark, they got one of the smaller TV markets of any Power 5 team probably in the country. There's no question the brand is very enticing to some of those other conferences. But the ACC just seems like it could fall down, downward. And those who do escape can land somewhere else and that to me is where the you know a 50 something team new division of college football much like chip kelly was discussing when he had his little rant a couple of months ago brett to be honest with you could emerge uh but i agree with you and uh, you know again yeah obviously a florida state again just picking the, the what a lot of people think is the cream of the crop of the ACC, Florida State, uh, North Carolina, and more so even with basketball, and Clemson, if those three get out. Now, I've already heard, and Brother Brent, you can ask him this on Monday on your show, Florida State's made more overtures toward the Big Ten or vice versa than the SEC. The SEC looks at Florida State, uh, that's a good way to put it, is more of a brand than a TV market because they've already got Florida. Florida does not want Florida State in the SEC. I can assure you, we've been told that, uh, but we've been told that for years, but that's going to be a real domino. If if Florida State can figure out 
had to get out of this grant of rights. And, uh, but Brent was on, I had my own brother on our show last week, and he said what they're really trying to figure out is the forfeiture or, or the exit fee. Uh-huh. And I've heard as much now is up to $500, and if they can massage that down to $200 million and work this out, that they they might agree to let them go. Huh. Uh, but that that's going to be the big key. Florida State's going to be the big domino. But uh, I know Florida and quite a few schools in the SEC, they agree with the, the, the uh, brand. But as far as adding TV market or adding to the DNA and the footprint uh, in the SEC, it really wouldn't help that much. Well, but, you know, it sure would be fun games, I think. Oh, um, sure it would. I, I think Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, mm-hmm. I mean, I know Florida already plays them, but I, I just think they're, they're, it, would be, it would be fun trips to Tallahassee. Oh, it would. To Tallahassee. It would. Uh, and I think to have that type of, of team that has a history of the last 50 years of what Bobby Bowden created would right. would make some fun games. And I just want good football. I don't give a damn about anything else. Well, I know. That's all I want. You know, I want some good football for sure. J-Rad says, make sure Brett Beard ain't hanging out at Saban's driveway these days to talk to Nicky Poo. Uh, listen, I can't get him to stay still. He's either in Jupiter or he's in Arizona, Florida, playing golf. Now, rumor has it he was in Tuscaloosa giving advice and counsel this week, but I never know where that rascal is going to be from week to week. I heard he had an affair with Fannie Willis and has to go testify in Atlanta in the court tomorrow. Uh, can you believe Fox has had that on? My, my beloved wife has been watching that testimony all day, and she said it's been uh, – it's been rather interesting. It's on all three channels. I've got it right here in front of me. That's why I brought it up. I'm just kidding. Unbelievable. All right. Brett Beard's our guest. You can listen to him on the radio, online, all over the country on 939thescore.com, and his ratings skyrocket on Fridays at 2.15 Eastern Time. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right, buddy. Have a great show.